Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to the Trez Paler Show 2020. Jay Binkley this year with Trez Paler. And, of course, Trez Paler from Yahoo Sports, former beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs, joins us now. Good evening, Trez. Okay. Hang on one second. A little technical difficulties. Get Trez on here with us in just a second. But this is Trez Paler show, and we'll do all things Chiefs. Uh, of course, we'll break down the Chiefs inside and out, as we do with Trez Paler. Plus, we'll go around the NFL, look at some of the top storylines that we had that we finally have the NFL back. And your questions as well. The Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line 913-576-7610. If you have a question for Trez Paler, we'll try to get that in as well. And we'll be here most of the time. You know, Royals permitting, we'll have Trez Paler come through here throughout the year. But uh, definitely 913-576 if you have any questions for Trez Paler. The Kansas City Chiefs already want to know. And the first victory in the books on Thursday, which really is an advantage. You think about the Chiefs versus the Chargers. 11 of the last 12, they've beaten the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They've beaten uh, the Raiders 9 out of 10, beaten the Broncos 9 out of 10. It's a little mini bye week because you had the Chiefs all the way in Cincinnati in the Midwest there. Well, actually, it was on Eastern time zone with Cincinnati. Then the Chargers had to fly back. So the Chiefs had the advantage of playing the Chargers um, with a couple days off, Thursday night, the win. They're in the clubhouse with the win, and they get Thursday night, the rest of the Thursday night off, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and they saw it around and watched the games. You heard Mahomes earlier today talking about, you know, the fact that uh, able to sit and watch. He was on with uh, with uh, Sean Levine and Carrington Harrison at 2.15. Pat Mahomes on every week exclusively right here on 610 Sports Radio, and you heard him as well in the Chiefs' Kingdom show with Mitch Holtis, but the Kansas City Chiefs, with that victory, and essentially, it is like a mini bye week. So the Chiefs, before they play the AFC West, the Andy Reid is 27-3 since 2015. They have that mini bye week. Mini bye week built in here. They have a mini bye week before they play the Broncos later because they play on Thursday night the week before. And then they have a full bye week before the Raiders. So the whole AFC West, Andy Reid has that mini bye week built in for the Chiefs as they head out west this week. If you heard Andy Reid... Earlier today, he talked about the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs will be traveling a little bit later. They'll be getting to the hotel in Los Angeles. They're not going anywhere. They can't leave the hotel, so they'll be locked in the hotel 
not locked in the hotel, but you know what I'm saying. They'll be in the hotel the whole time as the NFL really did great with the COVID uh, protocols this week. And, of course, you have to wait a few days to see what goes on. But through training camp, the NFL did a great job as far as managing COVID and the players. So we'll talk about the uh, the Chiefs, how they look Thursday night, and also about the run-heavy approach by the Chiefs. Will they have a run-heavy approach? Andy Reid addressed that today during his uh, during his press conference, and he also addressed uh, injuries as the Chiefs. Obviously, you know about Colin Saunders uh, being injured um, in the previous game, and, and Charvius Ward, you know, with the hand. Will he be playing this week or not? That's the question. Would he be playing with that club or not? He could. We've seen guys play with the thing on their hand, the device on their hand. Will he play a lot? Remember, there's two extra guys that get to dress out in the NFL as you can bring your game day up from 46 to 48 with just the five guys on the um, on the injured list, or as far as not the injured list, but the uh, inactive list each and every week. But Andy Reid spoke today about Sarverius Ward and what to expect. Could he play this weekend or not? Well, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes. Um, he had some work done on it, and uh, we'll just see see where he's at. Um, you know, when, when it's uh, by game time. But uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's it, we just gotta have to see how it feels. So see how it feels. It's gonna be wait and see. I do. I don't know. I, you can't say if he's gonna play or not. I would guess he probably would give it a go. Maybe limited snaps. I definitely think that if he didn't play this week, he'll play the following week against the Ravens on Monday night. I expect him to play then. Could he get in for a little game action? Or we could see a lot more Legereus Sneed this week, Rashad Fenton for the Chiefs. But definitely the defense looked good last week. I know that uh, Houston kind of got some garbage points there at the end. But the Chiefs had a different approach. And the run-heavy approach is something that Trez Paler and I will get into a little bit later with the Chiefs because right now Clyde Edwards-Alaire is Monday Night Football going on now between Pittsburgh and the Giants. And, of course, there's a game later with the Titans and Broncos. But right now, he's the only running back with over 100 yards. And you might think Pat Mahomes and Aaron the football out and Andy Reid, you know, throwing the football. But the Chiefs actually had the only 100-yard rusher in the NFL this past weekend. And not only that, they only had two 100-yard rushing performances last week. But already 100 yards for the Chiefs this week is... Really, Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming out of LSU and a lot of people, household name now. And you heard a lot about him. He was a fantasy football pick for a lot of people, even around the country. I did some Chiefs hits last week for some different radio stations. So you kind of get an idea of what they're going to talk about or what they want to talk about. And there wasn't a lot of talk about Mahomes, clearly, because everybody knows how good he is. They all wanted to hear about Clyde. And obviously, had there been St. Joe and training camp and Chiefs fans Getting up to St. Joe, they would have been able to see Clyde firsthand and got to see him work. But obviously, with Damian Williams opting out, it left a golden opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who really the only running back in SEC history to have 1,000 yards rushing and at least 50 yards receiving. And think about this. They've had 95 running backs drafted out of that conference since 2000. He's the only one over 1,000 yards rushing and 50 yards receiving. So... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, that Joe Burrow, that Joe Brady offense, you see that now with the Carolina Panthers, but it's unbelievable. But right now, the guy whose name is on the show, Therese Paler, joins us. Therese, good evening, my friend. <laughs> How's it going, man? Man, it is going, Therese. It is great to hear from you because when I hear from you, 
It's like Pavlov's dogs. You start to salivate because it's football time. That's what I'm talking about. I'm glad we finally got it. Likewise, man. I'm glad to be here. Pumped to be on this show with you, man. Well, I know you were excited. Man, watch all that football yesterday. I cannot wait to stop it up. (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, watching some college football this weekend. It's kind of wetting the appetite. Of course, high school football, we really can't get into some of those games. So I love sitting around yesterday watching because, you know, the Chiefs already had the win. Already the win in the clubhouse. And, Therese, we'll start there. The Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night, you know, you, you expect some rust. I did not see a lot of rust in the NFL. I did not see a lot of rust with the Kansas City Chiefs on offense Thursday Probably saw a little bit of rust with the Houston Texans, a little bit surprised in their performance, thought they might make it a little bit closer. But the Chiefs picked up right where they left off. Man, I totally agree. I totally agree. I thought the Texans were going to come out firing, right? Like, what happened to them in the playoffs in January was embarrassing. They got out to a 24 to nothing lead. They didn't get out score 51 7 the rest of the way. I thought Bill, Bryan, Bill O'Brien was going to be able to, to scheme it up in such a way that they're able to put up some points and maybe target the rookie with Jerry Sneed, but it, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out that way. Like They looked pretty much overwhelmed. And I think it, it speaks to this thing. To me, I think this is one of those years where because you know COVID has affected so many processes, it's the teams with the most competent coaches that are going to be really hard to beat. Think of all the great coaches in this league. They all won yesterday. Belichick. Reed, Carroll, you know, right down the line, Harbaugh, like right down the line, the best coaches in this league won. And I think it speaks a lot to um, how much competency uh, in coaching is going to matter this year. I really do. You know, I'm with you, Therese, and I think it was kind of an under-talked-about storyline across the NFL because without OTAs, without minicamp, it was about getting timing down. And we saw even the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, we saw the timing with the Buccaneers, and we'll get to that around the NFL, look a little bit off, and every Chiefs coach is back. Now, I wish that someone would get their opportunities in the National Football League, but for this year, they're all back. And I think that's big because they know exactly what to expect, know their talent. They were able to integrate the rookies in because I wasn't sure what to expect from the rookies this year, and we'll get to the rookies for the Chiefs in just a second. But just the fact that you have the coaching staff back, and, of course, Harbaugh with the Ravens, they look good. He's got a ring on his finger knows what he's doing in that coaching staff. The, the Ravens are really kind of running it back as well. But we really saw that with the Chiefs, that continuity and chemistry. And for no preseason, mm-hmm. preseason, watch out now, because they sure look good uh, in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, you know, the thing about it, too, is that I was talking to a lot of GMs and, and coaches this offseason, especially in August. And, like, one thing I kept hearing that they kept bringing up, Bink, was that, you know, they, these teams lost 500 on-field reps in OTAs. Mm. Like, that's a lot of reps that they should have been getting, right? And that's where this continuity that we keep harping on matters. Look at the Chiefs. They didn't just bring back their quarterback and head coach and play call. But they brought back the whole staff. And it didn't look like with that team that they missed out on any of those reps. That's because the continuity really mattered. So... This is a season where as long as we get to the finish, like I really feel like these teams that have the continuity, these teams that have the competency, they're going to be at an even bigger advantage. Kansas City's right in the mix of it. They brought the whole doggone team back. They brought the whole staff back. This is going to be a really, really tough team to beat in the playoffs because they have all that going for them. 
plus the best player in football. Therese, when you look at the uh, the defense, before we get into the rookies, we'll do that in the next segment, but uh, when you look at the defense and coming together, I mean, one of the strengths is this defensive line. We saw the injury with Colin Saunders, but then there's the draft picks, you know, Mike Tanna in there. How about how about Turk, Turk Wharton in there, you know, Missouri S&T Division II, undrafted, getting some playing time, but that kind of shows you from the top on down just how prepared this defensive line is. To me, it's the best group on defense. Yeah, and you know what? What's even scarier, Bink, is that, you know, I, I felt like that was as good as I've seen Frank Clark look here. I thought he was getting off the ball and firing off it, and he looked downright unblockable. I take notes on every NFL game, right? And, like, multiple times Frank Clark popped up. I'm like, oh, this is such, oh look at 55. Oh, look at that, Ben. He didn't have that necessarily that way last year. Um, Frank Clark looked to me like somebody who might, be able to win defensive player of the year. Like I'm not joking. Really? I thought he looked great. And I, yeah, and a lot of his yeah, and a lot of some of your big players on defense stepped up too. Like Chris Jones just got paid. He looked good. Tyron Matthew popped. I wrote his name down a few times. And Legarius Sneed as well. I, the, the fourth round rookie was awesome. So um, you know this is a team that's going to be tough to beat, man. Because it just feels like they're all kind of rolling towards the same boat. They've got the pressure of winning the Super Bowl off, and now they can just go play. This has always been a talented team, but now they've got the talent, the confidence of knowing they're champions, and the pride is necessary it takes to defend it. So it's going to take like a superhuman effort for a team to beat them in the playoffs. I think Baltimore's talented enough to do it. There are a few other teams that the Saints are talented enough to do it, but they will not be an easy out, and they do have a chance to do something which is hard to do in pro football which defend the freaking title. You listen to Therese Paler's show. Of course, Therese Paler from Yahoo does a fabulous podcast with Charles Robinson. On Yahoo, we got Monday Night Football going on right now. Ten to nine Giants in this game. Therese Paler and I will talk about the rookies coming up. And also, we'll take a look around the NFL. Who is the second best team in the AFC? Well, we kind of know it's the Ravens, but who's the third best team? Plus, around the NFL, we'll do all that and more when the Therese Paler show returns. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Don't forget, Patrick Mahomes is on with the drive today with Carrington and Sean Levine. You can go back to uh, 610sports.com and rewind and go look at the podcast page and check that out. I'm Jay Binkley. This is the Therese Paler Show with Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports. Don't forget, I mean, this is cool. It's a cool night. It's a great night of content. Chiefs Kingdom with B. Mitch Holtis at 6 o'clock. Then coming up after me, Dusty Likens. Nick Price, Red Reaction, which is your phone calls. Now, you've been holding them in all weekend. You've been wanting to talk Chiefs. You've been wanting to talk Chiefs at the water cooler. Well, I guess there's no water cooler. It's on Zoom or whatever. Wherever you're working, you want to talk Chiefs. You can talk Chiefs coming back. Therese, welcome back, my friend, is the Steelers. We'll get to it later, but who's the third best team in the AFC? Down by a point to the Giants right now. <laughs> What's going on? I know. I I know, man. Before this show, I would have said Pittsburgh, but and look, here's the thing: I've actually been New York's going to be competitive this year. Um, you know, let's see how the game turns out. I, I think the Steelers are going to be a ten-win team that makes the playoffs and probably wins the game in the playoffs. But right now, at this moment, um, you know, I, I like what I saw from the AFC East yesterday, man. I watched the Patriots-Dolphins game from start to finish, and I wanted to write a column about Cam Newton. And I feel like Cam is really, really motivated, and I think that they can use that guy in all the ways it takes to make him, um, you know, continue to shine. You know, quarterback power, 
athletes, like they really, really know how to use them. It's a ground control system, ground-based system with a lot of play action. They use a ton of play action, which really takes advantage of his talent. So I was impressed with the Patriots. I thought they looked great. Um, also, Buffalo is going to be right in the mix there in that division. They, they did, took care of business against the Jets. You know, we're going to have to see. But, I, but here's what we do know, Vince. There's a clear line of delineation between the Chiefs and Ravens and the next team, the AFC, whoever it might be. No question. Tier 1, Tier 2, and we'll get into those tiers, Trez. I'm curious about your opinion on what you saw as we sit here. And, I mean, we can do this stuff, I and mean, we're not coaching, so we can look ahead and look at some of these teams and talk mm-hmm. about who's good and who's bad. Let's talk about Clyde DeGlide for a second, a Louisiana hot sauce yep. back in that backfield, which has really made a difference. As I said earlier, 95 drafted running backs from the SEC since 2000. He's the only running back in the history of that conference to have 1,000 yards rushing and 50 yards receiving. And keep in mind, this wasn't against La Tech and stuff like this. He was putting up big numbers against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. He's putting up big numbers in Clemson in the national title game. And, of course, you know, we played with Joe Burrow, the best quarterback in college football last year. So, obviously, he's going to spread the defense out with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson like he did throwing the football and Thaddeus Moss. So he was able to do that. Clyde was able to take advantage. Andy Reid said this today when asked about the run-heavy approach. Keep in mind, he's the only running back to have over 100 yards in the NFL right now. I mean, we wanted to kind of get the run game going is what we wanted to do. And especially with a younger back, I think that that uh, was important to get him used to the speed of the game. Um, but at the same time, you want production. You want, you know, you're, you're striving to put points on the board. So, um, so a little bit of everything there that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, part of it was we got in there and it, it was working, so we stuck to it. Um, on the other hand, it was also good uh, to get our ba- young back some carries and experience, which I thought was important. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the answer to it. There's Andy Reid on the running game. This is the coach that had the NFL's leading rusher with Kareem Hunt. It's not always, you know, pass. I'm sure we'll see him catch out of the backfield. You mentioned Cam Newton, you know, 75 yards rushing for the Patriots. They went to his strengths. They rent to what he did well. They haven't ran for more yards than that since mm-hmm. 1971 with Steve Grogan. So, mm-hmm. obviously, coaching staff's adapting to their talent. Here's a guy in Clyde Edwards. You know, Damian Williams ops out. He steps right in, and I was curious about rookies. I was curious about how good they would be going forward because that continuity, mm-hmm. you kind of got to mix it in. No preseason, but, man, Clyde Edwards, is Andy Reid run-heavy approach now, or is this just because of the game and the style of the game? Well, I think he was just trying – I believe Andy when he said he was just trying to get him um, kind of caught up to the speed of the game because one thing a lot of coaches and GMs told me over the last month is that you know, there's no substitute for game-based speed now. Like, when the lights come on in the NFL, that is a speed these young guys haven't seen yet when they're rookie. Look, they practice fast, and that's faster than college, but there's nothing like, hey, we're going four go now, here we go. So I do think he was just trying to get him accustomed to the speed. But I also think Andy understood that he didn't have to just show everything this week. I don't think he had to do that. I mean, honestly, when I was scouting – um, Clyde over to Lair and, and, and looking at these draft prospects, I thought the best thing he did was catch passes out of the backfield. I think he's on cover ball on angle routes. He's on cover ball on option routes. And he was targeted twice in the past game, yes, but he didn't catch a pass. So I think there's way more they can do with him. I think there's way more they're going to do with him. And let's also remember this. 
Chiefs are going to be very cautious against the Chiefs in the sense of they're such an explosive offense. They really don't want to let them get chunk plays because then you're going to lose by 40. Like, you, just, you can't do it. So, you know, the, the Texans are a team that plays a lot of quarters. Um, you're going to see light boxes. Against, like, the Chiefs offense will see light boxes, which means teams are going to let them kind of go 20 to 20. And then on third down, they'll call their best stuff and then try to hold them the field goals. So he's going to continue to see light boxes. He is going to continue to get the football running. And he's going to be dynamic, just like he was on Thursday night. Um, he's a pretty safe bet as long as he stays healthy. And please understand the hand he's got a lot that he can do with this kid, and he is going to use it when necessary. You know what, though? You, you say something really good there, Therese, is the fact that you know, with the way that Pat Mahomes can stretch the field, you won't see the eight-man boxes like you saw against Jamal Charles a lot because he was, as Chuck Pagano said, before they played the Colts in the playoffs that year with Alex Smith, that he's public enemy number one, talking about Jamal Charles. You stop him and see what the Chiefs can do. Well, Pat Mahomes can throw the football down the field. How will Clyde do it? And the NFL is so box safety heavy right now, it's hard to put that extra safety in to stop the run because Pat will beat him over the top. So... The combination of Mahomes throwing the football and the threat of always going deep compared to a back like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And as Pat Mahomes said after the game, just another added weapon to the arsenal. Yeah, like, here's the thing. If you want to play man against the Chiefs, okay, you better be able to play it. Like, you, like your corners better be big and they better be fast and they better be able to run. Like, they got to be able to stay with the Chiefs. And quite honestly, there's not a lot of defenses out there that can be able to do that. You know, most teams are going to try and split the difference here, play a lot of zone and make them go the length of the field, bend but don't break. That's personally what I would do. There's just too much speed on the field. That's the purpose, think, of the, I mean, you know this, but that's the purpose of the speed on the field. Like, that's why the Chiefs have been so consistent trying to bring in fast guys, whether it's Lockin or Hill or Hardman. And guess what? They will be drafting more. Please know that when the time comes, they will be drafting more. I know Ben, you and I love Jalen Wallen and Devontae Smith, Mm-hmm. from Alabama. I'm just saying, at some point, they will be drafting more because this is the key to of the offense. When you have a hold like Mahomes, when you have a gun like Mahomes, you can determine what defense they're going to play by how much confident speed you put out there that he can throw to. That is why they will always have a fast offense with Mahomes. And that is why whoever they hand the ball off to is going to eat. And depending on the talent of that guy, he could have an unbelievable season, like an MVP-type season, depending on the talent of that guy, right? So you go from Damian Williams, now to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They took him in the first round for a reason. This guy's going to be special. I was asked a question on the postgame show, Therese, and the question was, how would you stop the Chiefs? And I said, well, <laughs> there's a lot of defensive coordinators that don't know that answer. And the only... The only thing I saw was last year when the Colts had two-to-one time of possession, and I know the analytics will say the time of possession doesn't matter, but it did against the Chiefs last year because they kept Mahomes in the offense on the sideline. And the Texans, when they won during the regular season, when they actually came back from 17-3 deficit, they had the ball for a full quarter longer than the Chiefs. That's the only thing at this Mm. point because you stop the run, they're going to throw it. You start working on something in the past, they're going to run it now with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the nice fit, but... To me, there's not really a rhyme or reason to stop the Chiefs because they can do so many different things. The only thing defensively I would try to do is like, okay, every team wants to do this, but it's hard to do it. Like, you got to build just the 
kicktail front four. Like your front four better be able to rush along each position, right? Maybe even something like Washington has. Like that team's not good, but they have four linemen that are really good. You want four pass rushers that can get after it and maybe harass Mahomes a little bit. You're going to want some – and actually, you know what, San Francisco has that, right? Like they gave the Chiefs some problems for most of the Super Bowl because they had that. They had a fast linebacker core that could close in on him when he broke the pocket out of structure, which he almost always does. And then, you know, the secondary is good in zone. They need to be better in man. I, you want to have a secondary that can ball hawk a little bit. That's the key to having a chance to stop them. And then offensively, if you want to beat the Chiefs, you need that defense. But offensively, I think the key is being able to line up and impose your will on them physically and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. And the Chiefs four losses last year, the Chiefs were gashed by the run. And I think the Chiefs' half defense is, was pretty solid. People don't recognize that, but they were actually pretty good against the pass. Um, but this is a team you can run on if you're good enough at it. So that would be the key. You want to line up and impose your will physically on offense, and then defensively, you need to rush the passer. The second-level guys need to all be able to run, and then the secondary's got to be ball. In my opinion, that's the only way to beat this team, and there's only so many teams that can even put that together on a given day. Therese, one guy that's uh, not going to get a lot of run, not going to get a lot of headlines, but uh, Coletio Simile. And you think yeah. about the perfect mixture. I mean, Andy talked about him today. I talked about him when I was filling in on Cody and Gold. He's got a bit of nasty to him. And the NFL Top 100, oh, you yeah. listen to what the players... I remember a play where he pancaked Tom Bali with the Raiders because, you know, Andy's talked about that as well. But just the nastiness going to the whistle, Andy talked about that. He is a nasty player. That is a nasty disposition. That is like the perfect fit. And we've seen Dayton Moore you know, kick the can, and, you know, this is a guy that the Jets didn't want him to have surgery last year because he used his own doctor, and, you know, the Chiefs took a chance on him, but I believe Coletio Simile, KO, this guy brings some nastiness to this offensive line. You know, it's important that the teams try to execute that game plan. I just told you about how to beat them. Your offensive line has to be able to counter punch, right? Like, again, the Super Bowl was so instructional because you're getting the best of every team. I don't think Chiefs offensive line, for as much as they've been criticized over the last five years or whatever, or even last season, I think they played with some attitude. And that's necessary when you get in a street fight with another good team. They lost Stefan with Nisky, who was a solid enough player in free agency. But Assimile has that, has, is a really strong guy, number one. You, that actually pops on tape. But you're right, he plays with that attitude. And I think that's a good thing for that offensive front. Um, they're going to continue to need to upgrade that and improve that because the jewel is Mahomes, and you got to protect the jewel. But as long as they play with attitude, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance they can play about as well as they did last year up front, if not a little bit better. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show. Don't forget uh, your comments and questions if you have them, 913-576-76. Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer text line. Get those in as we go around the NFL and answer your questions in the final segment. But coming up next, Therese, the Ravens look good, the Chiefs look good. Who else is good in the AFC? I want to talk about that next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Episode 1, the Therese Paler Show. I'm Jay Binkley, Nick Price producing the operation. And Therese, we have a score of 10-9, to 9, almost halftime. 
Steelers are driving, and we'll say with 14 seconds left. How about Saquon Barkley, minus three yards rushing? Benny Snell Jr. leads the Steelers with 23, but who are we going to put as that third-best team in the AFC? I know, man. I, you know, I, I guess I'm going to still rock with the Steelers, but I think the Patriots are going to be in the mix. You know, it, there's a pretty clear line between the Chiefs, Ravens, and the next teams, but, um, you know, Saquon... His struggles in this half show why I think Pittsburgh's going to be in the mix. I think their defense is outstanding at every level, too. Um, they're all, their defensive line, that's what it takes to beat uh, Lamar Jackson and Mahomes in the playoffs. And then, you know, the secondary ball hawks it. And then they've got tremendous, tremendous speed at the second level with Devin Bush Jr. So, um, you know, that's the kind of team where I know their defense is going to be good, but if Ben can stay healthy and their offensive line performs to protect them, and they get a bounce back year from Julian Smith-Schuster. They, they, they're a team, and they have a great coach in Mike, Mike Tomlin, in my opinion. That, that is a team that can be a problem in the playoffs. And the Pittsburgh Steelers just scored before halftime. They're up 16-10. to 10. They, <laughs> hey, You know what? It's that quick, and they do wear the ring, so you got to like that. Ben Roethlisberger's two touchdowns in the first half. A lot of people talking about them. And, you know, the Ravens, one of those teams last year that I think surprised some people. And the, the Patriots were clearly on that, that tier one line with Belichick and Brady. And uh, to knock off the king, you have to beat the king. And while the Chiefs did that and had an opportunity uh, the year before, but clearly it's the Ravens and the Chiefs on that collision course uh, for Monday Night Football the following week, which will be a tremendous game. But I was kind of curious, like, who that next tier is, you know? Is Buffalo wanting to take that step? Is it the Patriots with Cam Newton? Is it the Indianapolis Colts that really fell apart against the Jacksonville Jaguars? The people's wondering if they were tanking during the season. But I'm just wondering, like, who would you would put? We talked about the Steelers there, but is there any other team you would put in that second tier that could be in the first tier, or is it just going to be Chiefs and Ravens? Yeah, I don't know if any team's going to really approach Kansas City and Baltimore. Um, this second tier is going to be up in the air, though. Like, Indianapolis... I had them winning the division. I was not happy with what I saw yesterday um, at all. Uh, I think I think Tennessee, by signing Jadavia Clowney, they took care of their biggest question for me, which is their second pass rusher. So I actually think that they're going to be more equipped to win that division. Um, they're they're going to be pretty solid, solidly in the tier two mix uh, with, with Buffalo, with New England, um, in Pittsburgh. Uh, beyond that, I actually think the Raiders are going to be okay this year. They'll be sniffing around 500. Um, the other teams in the AFC West don't really concern me. Um, you know, as far as being in Kansas City and Baltimore's tier overall in the league, though, I'll say this. You know, I, I do think the Saints are in that class. And I think the Seahawks have a chance to be. Um, Russell Wilson looks great. And they, they let him cook. You know, they can usually be in the Super Bowl. But I think the Saints are a more complete football team. And I am concerned about the Seahawks' defensive line. I generally don't pick teams to do big, big things unless I'm comfortable with their pass rush and them having two uh, premium guys, which the Seahawks do not have. I've got the Chiefs and Saints in the Super Bowl like I have the last three years. Ah, so do I. We'll see if it comes to fruition this year, Therese. But, you know, let's look at the AFC West for a second. Like, if I had to ask you who the second-best team is, I mean, I love the young pieces that Denver has. You know, it's not so sure what the, you know, it's the second offensive coordinator this year with Drew Locke. He faced the same thing at Mizzou. Cortland Sutton, you know, has been banged up a little bit. I love that offensive talent. I love the way that the Raiders have drafted, not sold on, on Carr yet. And with the Chargers, 
we're, we've kind of been waiting. I mean, they, they, they felt like nomads. They, they didn't, I mean, fans turned on on San Diego. They really didn't have a big fan base at the soccer stadium. Now they'll be at SoFi without fans. It's a little bit different, you know, playing at the Rams place and Kroenke's place. But who would you say right now is the second best team in the AFC West? Oh, it's the Raiders. Okay. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I don't think that yeah, – Denver losing Von Miller is a big deal for them. Like, I love Drew Locke. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, but, I, but again, we talked earlier in the show about how that continuity is going to matter this year because they lost 500 OTA reps, right? It would have been nice for Drew to get those with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamlin, right? Um, and also, you know, their offensive line, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they, you know, it's, it's not great. So, as much as I like their defense before the Von Miller injury, I think they're going to take a bit of a step back from where I had them projected, which was 7-9 and nine and 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, as far as the Chargers go, they actually do have the edge rushers, right? But they're missing Derwin James Jr. That's a brutal loss for them. That guy's a special player, one of the few safeties in football who can match up with Travis Kelsey. Um, they're going to miss that guy, right? Um, and, and honestly, we know there's a feeling on how good the Chargers can be with Tyrod Taylor. I like Tyrod, but they drafted Justin Herbert because they know in this division you're going to need a premium quarterback in the long term. So, again, this is another team, in my opinion, with a ceiling of 8-8, eight 7-9. Eight, I actually think the Raiders are best equipped to be the number two team in this division and threaten to make a playoff, to make the playoffs. I like what Mike, Mark Mayock is. So I like what Mike Mayock has done um, as a general manager. I think he's got a clear team-building philosophy. I see what they're trying to do in the back end. They're fast and they're long, and they, they want to try to match up in Kansas City's speed. Defensively, they're front. I think it's young, and they're going to get better. Max Crosby's a good football player. Cleveland Farrell, I like him. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, and also, we already know they can do some things. Like Brian Edwards, they like him. Henry Rhodes is really fast. And Josh Jacobs. They're going to use him. They're going to use him like you know Marshall Falk. He's going to get a lot of catches, a lot of touches. But the, the issue for the Raiders is the quarterback, Derek Carr. I expect them to actually have a pretty good season, which is why I could see them going eight and eight and nine and seven. But with him, there is a limit on how good they can be too. And with the vision with Patrick Mahomes, that's just not going to cut it in the long term. Before long, the Raiders will be seeking a long-term upgraded quarterback. You know, the schedule couldn't have worked out better for the Chiefs, the fact that they, they have essentially a mini-buy or a bye week before every AFC West game, just like the Chargers playing in Cincinnati. <laughs> Chiefs were off. They have a full bye before the Raiders game, and Andy Reid 18-3 and after the bye. I mean, the schedule's worked out perfectly for the Chiefs. They have all their divisional road games with a mini-buy or a bye. And that's brutal. That's brutal for these other teams in the division because Andy didn't need help. <laughs> okay, Andy. Andy's been incredible against them for the last five years. This entire division. So if you give him a bye, none of them can touch him. So, yeah, look, <laughs> Andy didn't need any help, but the NFL is giving him help. Um, it, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult for another team to win this division. It, it would take extraordinarily bad luck for the Chiefs to not win the division. Well, Trust Paylor's the best in the business. We know he watches all the name, the, the games, keeps notes on all the teams. So we'll go around the NFL next, as we'll do each and every week, plus your questions on the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, 913-576-7610. But I want to talk a Brady and Breeze showdown. We'll do that next. You're listening to the Therese Paylor Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. 
back to the Therese Baylor Show. I'm Jay Binkley with Therese Baylor. Don't forget Dusty Likens coming up next with the Red Reaction Show. Nick Price will be here for that as well. But right now we're talking Therese Baylor and you, 913-576-7610, the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line. If you have a question for one of the best in the business, Therese Baylor. Therese, looking forward to the showdown yesterday. Tom versus Drew Brees. Obviously, people watched that. That became the most watched program since the Super Bowl, I was glued to the TV because I wanted to see Tom in the new area with Bruce Arians. What did you think about the matchup of, well, two of the all-time best at doing what they do? You know, Big, I thought it was a really good example of what we talked about earlier today, early in the show, about how like, continuity was really going to matter. On one side, you had Drew Brees, the Saints, he had, he had Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael Jr. He had his guy, and they looked like it. Meanwhile, Tom Brady is new to Tampa in that system. And he threw a couple of interceptions where it was very clear those are the type of throws you make with side adjustments where you just haven't had the reps with the guys that you need. You're still trying to get on the same page. I think it's a team still looking to settle into its offensive identity. But um, I'm not as down on the Patriots and Brady as some people are today. Like it's week one of a season where we haven't had like a traditional offseason. You know, they're going to face Carolina this week. I expect them to get on board here. There's still a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And one thing I'll also add, you know, Brady did make some throws in that game that shows he still has arm talent. There were a couple whole throws that he made that were connected. There were a few uh, that were dropped. And then his touchdown to Mike Evans gives you an idea, like, of what these guys can be once they get comfortable together. So I, I'm still pretty bullish on the Bucks finishing 10-6, and six, something like that, and making the playoffs. Haven't made the postseason since 2007. Something to keep an eye on. Now, the comparisons will come in, fair or not fair, because Brady's not yet, you know, in his prime still. But people be looking at Brady and what he's doing and Bill Belichick, what he's doing. Could he have one of his best coaching performances? Going to be tough to outcoach one Bill Belichick with Cam Newton, as we mentioned earlier. 75 yards on 15 carries, uh, the most by Patriots quarterbacks, and Steve Grogan had 81. Yeah. Back in 1977, quite a while ago, Tom Brady in 18 and 19 only had 69 yards rushing. Those two seasons combined, Cam already beats that in one game. Belichick versus Brady with Cam Newton. Can he win as many games as uh, Tom in Tampa? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think Tampa's capped a little bit on how many games they can win in about 11 just because they're in that division. And because I think the Saints are the better team in that division. But I, I mean, would it really surprise you if um, the Patriots won 10 or 11 games if Sam Newton played 16? Wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that's certainly possible. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting season. Um, uh, you know, again, it, it's going to come down to the continuity. But I, I really, really like seeing a motivated Cam in New England with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And I love seeing those two high five each other, uh, Newton and the Daniels did on the sidelines. I, I think it's, I think it's got a chance to be a cool, cool pairing as long as Cam can stay healthy, man. So looking forward to see how that goes. Well, Belichick did go three and one when Tom Brady was suspended, and of course he won those eleven games when Bernard Pollard took him out back in the day with the Chiefs. But, the, you know, the Bill versus Tom, I'm sure we'll see the comparisons. Fair or not, it's what's going to be a storyline this year, Therese. I want to talk about Aaron Donald. You, you had talked about that, too. I mean, he went complete beast mode. And here's the thing, like Chris Jones. I was saying something a couple months ago that I think Chris Jones 
could be talked about eventually as the number one defensive lineman in the NFL. But Aaron Donald and the way he plays, he was playing like a wrecking ball against the Cowboys. We rarely see that. And keep in mind, he's been with the former uh, uh, face in Kansas City on the defensive line staff back at Pittsburgh. But can Chris Jones match that level of Aaron Donald ever? I'm not sure if we're ever going to see a defensive tackle um, as dominant as he's been again. I mean, I think we're talking about special stuff now. Um, I am the Hall of Fame selector for Kansas City. Obviously, I can tell you, I'll be voting for Aaron Donald first ballot. I'm sure most of my contemporaries will as well. There's just not many people like him. You know, he's 6'1", 290, and he is really, really fast, and he is really, really strong, and he wrecks everybody and everything. Like every game, almost every every, every play. What what we're seeing is special with that guy. Um, you know, you can argue that he's been as dominant um, as, as some of the great defensive linemen we've had since here over the last two decades. Um, this is something special now. He wins in a multitude of ways. You know, I, I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna end up going a long time before we see another Aaron Donald. And Matt House, that's a linebacker's coach with the Chiefs, was Aaron Donald's uh, defensive line coach at the University of Pittsburgh. Therese, what was the biggest surprise this weekend in the NFL? I thought the way the Browns just got smashed. You know, we spent a lot of time um, in the NFL talking about the Browns, and I thought there was some real reasons for optimism, man. But, you know, they, they weren't even competitive against the Ravens, and that's a really bad sign. Again, I know it's week one, man. I know it's not the end of the world, but... This is an important game for them to show that, hey, you know, these things kind of different now. And they look every bit as confident as they did last year. So that's not okay. That that would be the most disappointing um, game of, of the NFL slate this weekend. But number two being the Eagles going to lead to an inferior Washington team. Um, I know they were missing some offensive linemen. I get it. That, uh, that hurts, especially with a team with a really good defensive front. You know, they kind of got set up. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's like the one thing Washington can really do well, which is rush the passer. But um, it's still not okay. They had a 17 and nothing lead, and they didn't run the ball enough. So, not good there. Um, you know, I, I, I think those two, and then the Lions losing. I wouldn't call it a disappointment, but it, it's a disappointment in a vacuum. You know, um, Lions fans expect that. But, yeah, surrendering. Um, a 17-point home lead to Mitchell Trubisky is certainly depressing um, if you're a Lions fan and certainly an indication of why so many Lions fans are so negative about that team. You know what's weird, Therese? They could have had pick, round three, pick 67. They could have had Mahomes and Alvin Kamara. How about that? Hey, how about that, man? But <laughs> hey, we, we could play that game. We could play that game with the Lions from every year, man. They could have had Aaron Donald, too. They could have Aaron D. instead. So it's classic Detroit Lions football. Face coverings in the NFL. Troy Vincent put out a warning that he could find coaches without the face coverings that we've seen a lot of the assistant coaches wearing. We saw some of the coaches like McVay and, and Sean Payton who had COVID before. Uh, with the mask down, but then uh, there was Andy Reid in the fog face mask. I think he should use some scuba gear on that to keep that fogging going away, but the NFL seems like, hey, we need head coaches. They're showing on TV all the time. They need to wear them because that's the rule. Yeah, you got that right, man. It's important. They're trying to protect people's health. I get it. I know it's fake. 
I know it's hot out there. We're trying to communicate, and the mask probably gets in the way of that. I understand it. But I also understand that the league doesn't want to be held liable for somebody getting sick. <laughs> and one way they can defend themselves if they were ever to get sued or something. They say, hey, listen, we find people for taking this thing last. So um, understand when the NFL does literally like anything, there's like a money reason behind it, and this is no different. You know what, Trez? I think we could see these maybe in the future. So coaches don't need to stick that play sheet right in front of their face, worried about their lips being red. If they're wearing a yeah. you can't see what they're saying. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, oh man, they're not <laughs> ordering off the fast food menu anymore. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, they're just talking right into it. <laughs> you know what I think? I wonder, man, what do you think? I, I kind of wonder if this is going to stay. I, I feel like it's easier thing to do than worry about. Uh, you know, putting the mask up to you, putting the putting the, 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 the play sheet up to your face, man. You think we'll see more of that? <laughs> you can't see what they're saying with the play sheet in front of their face. So I thought that uh, was interesting. Uh, Therese, a few injuries. Uh, Marlon Mack out, but I love Jonathan Taylor. And Hines had a good, Hines had a good game for the Colts, but I really love uh, Jonathan Taylor. They're going to be relying on him since they lose Mack and, and Dory Jackson on the IR uh, for the Tennessee Titans. We'll see later tonight. Big injuries. Yeah, I'm a big Jonathan Taylor fan. I think they're going to be okay there. Um, he's a special player. And he's got fumbling issues, but I talked to Chris Ballard this offseason. They think Tom Rathman, the running back coach, and get him together there. But in the meantime, keep an eye on Naheem Hines. I thought he looked great yesterday. And I think he's somebody that's gonna that's ready for for an additional workload. He's gonna catch a lot of passes. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, he, again, he'll work on the passing game and Taylor handle load on the ground because he's built for it. I actually think they're handled really they're set up really well to be able to absorb that. Jonathan Taylor's a stud, almost three straight 2,000-yard years, just a little bit shy his freshman year. They said he couldn't catch the ball, and I thought it was interesting. He had five touchdown catches last year, including two in the first game, proving, hey, I can catch the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had some catches yesterday, too, man. So he worked really hard on it. I had a chance to visit with him this offseason. Um, that's part of his toolbox, and I think he's a special player and a special person with Pro Bowl talent. So um, I expect him to fully kind of get up and running in a few weeks. Um, you'll start seeing that talent in about a month or so. And uh, the Colts are going to have an interesting decision to make the Mackies in a contract season. They got hurt. Um, but, I, I, yeah, between Hines and Taylor, they're, they're loaded there. They're good. Yes, they are. And you can hit, we hit up most of the questions because I was able to ask them to you through the program here. And also people can tweet questions at me during the week if you have a question for Therese Paler. But uh, we got a lot of your questions answered uh, with Therese and I talk. And Chiefs and Chargers coming up this weekend. Don't forget the Red Reaction Show with Dusty Likens and Nick Price coming up next. Tres Paler, I've enjoyed episode one, my friend. Let's do it again next week. That's right, baby. Let's keep building. Let's keep stacking them. Appreciate it, man. All right, that's Tres Paler from Yahoo Sports. Thanks a lot, Tres. Don't forget Red Reaction, your reaction from the Chiefs games next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.